Hey leaders, in this episode of Building a Culture of Collaboration, Lorna and I are joined by Darren Pippard, leadership speaker, coach, host of the Leaning into Leadership podcast, and best-selling author, including Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. In this episode, we're going to have a chance to chat uh, with this self-declared recovering high school principal <laughs> to learn more about his thoughts on leadership, team development, and what it means to lead from the balcony. So let's get started. Intentional and purposeful focus on building a culture of collaboration is the secret for leaders striving to make a difference. In building a culture of collaboration, Curtis and Lorna Hewson will share simple tips, ideas, and strategies to take your organization's collaborative efforts to the next level. Welcome to episode 12, Building a Culture of Collaboration. I'm Lorna Hewson, lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning. And I'm Curtis Hewson, also co-founder uh, co and lead learner of Jigsaw Learning. Today, we are joined by Darren Papard, uh, president of Road to Awesome. So welcome, Darren. It's great to have you join us here today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys both uh, so much for having me in. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, as are we. So why don't we start with just sharing a little bit of your background. You declare in the book that you're a recovering high school principal. Um, and yeah. I know that that was not initially on your radar of where you were going in your educational journey. So share a little bit of what that uh, has been for you and where you're at now, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would tell you, I'm very much a, oh, probably the best way to say it would be um, unlikely educator. You know, as as a as a high school kid, I didn't really know where I wanted to go. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I was going to go to college. Uh, just it was just kind of an understood thing. I was going to do that, but I had no idea what I was going to focus on. And education was definitely not on the radar. And there's a long winding story of how how I got there. But uh, it was actually, you know, through through a connection and through finding a passion for coaching that mm -hmm. I really. Um, you know, ended up chasing that path into education. And it's interesting because now much of what I do is coaching, uh, not fifth grade girls basketball, like like yeah. the coaching that actually got me started. Uh, but uh, but coaching, you know, uh, new and emerging leaders and uh, even just leaders who just need a little bit of support, a little bit of uh, encouragement along the way. Um, I spent 26 years in public education. You know, once I got my feet under me and figured out that education was the direction I wanted to go, um, you know, from there it was uh, right into another unlikely place. Uh, I wanted to be a high school teacher. I wanted to be a high school basketball coach, and I was hired to teach junior high school. And I, <laughs> I, I coached junior high football. I, I coached junior high baseball, eventually got into coaching basketball at that level and um, loved my time at, at the junior high level, five years as a junior high teacher, six years as a high school teacher. I, I did a, ultimately become a head basketball coach. I was also a head tennis coach. And um, at a point, my wife and my daughter, um, we all agreed that we wanted to have our daughter grow up, you know, near cousins and aunts and uncles mm. and grandparents and that kind of thing. So we moved back to uh, my home state of Wyoming. Uh, go awesome. folks. You won't say it. So I have to, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you know, when, when we moved back to Wyoming, so we were in Arizona, I guess I left that piece out, but when we moved back to Wyoming, 
uh, that was when I took my first administrative position. And I was an assistant principal at the high school level, um, held two different assistant principal roles in the same building, first discipline attendance, then curriculum and instruction, ultimately became the high school principal at that school. I was my daughter's high school principal, which is an incredible experience. And mm-hmm. yeah. there's probably 20 stories that that we could chase there. <laughs> um, and I, as a high school principal, when I first became the principal, so I moved down the hallway from one office to another, and it was 40 feet, and it might as well have been 400 miles. Because oh, when you step understand how that goes from the AP, yeah, right? Yeah, when you move from the AP role to the high to the principal role, it's incredible, the difference in the two roles. And I, I was not prepared. And honestly, you're never prepared, right? But mm. I was really unprepared. And I, I set out, I think, to mostly prove I wasn't my predecessor, which was crazy. He was in the role for 17 years. He did a brilliant job. Um, but um, I I struggled my first year, year and a half. And uh, I would, would tell you that I was breathing through a snorkel, but most of the time I was probably in full scuba gear. I was so far <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought I had to be everything to everybody. I mean, I, Superman syndrome essentially is what it was. And, um, man, I struggled, but ultimately we got a new superintendent. He believed in leadership coaching, brought in leadership coaches for all of us. A whole lot of people in the district pushed back, but I was like, thank you, please. I need help. I knew I was struggling. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I thought I was on top of the world and doing a great job. And everybody's like, dude, you're terrible. No, I knew I was struggling and um, working with the coach changed me completely. And it made a, a huge difference for me. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, from there, after I got myself figured out, I fell in love with coaching my assistant principals, mm. my department heads, my emerging leaders in the building. And so many of them now have gone on to principalships or a couple that are in superintendent roles, district level roles. And that's what I wanted to do. So of course I jumped into being a school superintendent because I thought I got to coach more leaders that way. And I couldn't have been Mm -hmm. further from the truth. (laughs) You don't have time for that as a superintendent. You just don't. And so my final four years in public ed, I was a superintendent. And then um, a couple of years ago, just said, you know what, I can make a bigger impact by doing the work that I truly love, that I'm truly passionate about, by coaching those early career emerging and honestly struggling leaders. Uh, the leadership pipeline is not empty, but people are going through it so fast. And mm-hmm. like me, a little bit unprepared, just need a little bit of support. And so um, that's that's what I'm doing now. I've been doing it for the last couple of years. I'm an author. I'm also, you know, I speak in schools. I really hit hard around school culture and climate. I think it's one of the most important things we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, run a small publishing company here called Road to Awesome. Everything we do is under the brand Road to Awesome because yeah. that's just who <laughs> we are. And there's a story there too. But I already feel like I'm talking way too much. And I realize I'm a guest on your podcast. I'm not the host, but... <laughs> I still feel like uh, I'm talking too much. So I'll no stop worries. talking and you can ask me another question. <laughs> well, well, that road to awesome is awesome. <laughs> it's it's a, a great tagline for all of the work that you do. Um, 
we are just thinking, listening to your experience, and there are so many parallels to to the experiences that we've had through leadership mm -hmm. as well. And just that feeling of, you know, jumping into this, am I really the person who should be in this role? And do I know what I'm doing? And I know sometimes I definitely don't know what I'm yeah. doing. But just just thinking about so many of those parallels and the idea around coaching and uh, really taking on that that thought process of, you know, as a as a coach, whether it's in sports with kids or whether it's with uh, leaders in schools, that same uh, piece exists. And you mention it in your in your book, Road to Awesome, that idea that the best thing that you can do is to identify that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to be able to hear a little bit more about about that idea of, um, you know, how yeah. you can help people is by saying that you actually don't know. Well, and to jump in there, that was one of the things that really resonated with me right from the start was I've I've lived that same misstep mm -hmm. that you referred to it as Superman syndrome of yeah. I'm in the leadership role. So obviously that means I fix everything that comes and know up everything and know everything. But <laughs> right. I mean, you have that statement. Uh, and I'll go word for word. Sometimes the best thing a leader can do is acknowledge what they don't know. Um, talk to us a little bit more about that key learning yeah. that came for you. Yeah, it was huge. And, you know, it's interesting um, uh, that part of the story. And, and I'm pretty sure that quote in the book, I'm actually talking about the superintendent who brought in the instructional coaches. Um, mm -hmm. He acknowledged that he had never been a teacher and that he had never been a principal. Um, he was somebody who came into educational leadership through the business uh, direction. Oh, no and way. when he came to us, he he said, I, I want you to be the best leaders you can be, but I've never been in your role. Mm -hmm. And I think you need somebody who has been in that role mm -hmm. to really lean into. You know, he said, you know, I can evaluate you. I can use a rubric, but I, I can't really coach you because that's not that's not a schema that I carry. Um, and I've always valued that about him mm. that, you know, he was willing to, to model that particular learning and, and to give us the the grace and the space to also then pay that forward and acknowledge the things that we, that we didn't know. Because at that point, when he came in, um, I, I was very heavy in my very deep in my my superman syndrome where mm -hmm. absolutely i thought i thought being the leader and curtis i love that you that you acknowledged mm -hmm. i wasn't i wasn't alone uh, and i see yeah. this with leaders everywhere yeah um when you move into that role you think you have to know everything you have to solve all their problems you have to answer all their questions you have to be the smartest person in the room and in reality you know, what I've discovered over time and certainly even more so as a coach is, you know, the most important thing we can do is acknowledge what we don't know and just be curious, mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions um, because that opens the door for one, acknowledging the intelligence and the experience that's around you. Mm -hmm. And two, it, it just really reinforces that, you know, we are in this together. I mean, if, if I know everything and I can do everybody's job, why do I need them? That, that's, that's not how it works. But so often leaders fall into that trap. Yeah. And, 
And not that they don't think they need everybody else around them. They just really do think, you know, I'm sitting in this space and by goodness, I better, you know, I better step up because if I don't, here's what happens. And here's the fear. You both alluded to it. Yeah. (laughs) If I don't know everything, they're going to find out I'm an imposter. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. here comes the imposter syndrome, right? And it's like, yeah. it's not tapping you on the shoulder. It's hitting you on the back with a bat. Like, hey, yeah. you're a fraud. You're a fraud. You're a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's not leadership. It's just not leadership. It's, you know, it's much more about just opening up and listening to what everybody else brings to the table. I mean, for goodness sakes, in education, the people around you are highly educated. Absolutely. We need to ask them. We need to listen yeah. to them. We really do. And not think we just have to solve their problems. Well, I yeah. can remember being in a, what we call a collaborative team meeting where you're brainstorming and thinking of how to support. And I can remember being in one with grade one teachers where an issue was brought up and everyone turned to the, so what should we do? And they turned to me and I went, I've never taught grade one. Uh, I, you're the experts. So yeah. Let's rely upon one another. I can help facilitate that conversation, but I my expertise is my toolbox is nowhere near as deep as yours. Well, and and I just think, you know, that's definitely an aspect of uh, being able to create that culture of collaboration is having an environment where we're open and honest about, you know, our skill, how do we and we've got wonderful, like you mentioned, we've got amazing expertise in the room. How do we work through those next steps, whatever it is that we're working toward? But but being that leader who can say, I, I don't know, let's work through this together. And we actually, when we do some of our coaching through our work, through collaborative response, we often talk about this aspect of, you know, don't, don't pretend that you know everything about how you implement this work. But let's work on this together and Mm -hmm. and reaching out intentionally and asking uh, some of your team for their thoughts and their experience. See, I think that's a huge piece. Yeah, no, no, sorry to to interrupt, but I I don't want what I don't want what Lorna is saying to to get lost here. Um, You know, the the I don't know or I haven't done that has been so amplified in the last couple of years. And, you know, I remember as we were just starting to make our way back into classrooms, you know, post COVID, reminding my principals that forever, if you were a teacher and became a principal or superintendent or whatever, you could always say, hey, I've been there and done that. Mm -hmm. But from that line in the sand forward, I've never taught during a pandemic. I wasn't even a principal during a pandemic. I was a superintendent. I don't have the schema truly of what it is to teach post-pandemic. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that. That's an experience that, that man, only our people in the classroom are getting that experience right now. And so as, as school leaders and as district leaders, we really have to keep that in mind that, you know, there definitely is a point in time where that schema shifted a little bit. Yes. Do I know what it's like to be in the classroom? Of course. Do you? Of course. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a slight difference there that we have to acknowledge. You know, I think it's so interesting, too, when we think about that experience of going through COVID at its greatest state of, of uh, lockdowns and sanitizers and all of that. We actually saw schools that recognized 
we're engaging in something that nobody has a playbook yeah. for and yeah. leaned into their collaborative yeah. structures even more. So did so much better coming through and out of at work than the schools that said, whoa, whoa, we're overwhelmed. Everyone just go back and be isolated and individualistic. We'll cancel what all our meetings. We'll cancel all the then. meetings. We won't, we'll just survive. And unfortunately, I think that's kind of what happened is it became really clear. Actually, this is a time when you need cultures of collaboration <laughs> even deeper. And it really resonated to me. And I think it fits this as a nice segue in here. When you talked about that, mentor that had had reinforced that idea of what you came to learn as lead from the balcony and being able to step back and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. I would love for you to share with our listeners, what does that mean to you, that leading from the balcony? How did that come to be? Because I love the story within right. the book, even just the physical nature of that statement. And then how do you yeah. think that leading from the balcony supports a the building of a culture of collaboration in a school. We'll be right back to continue this episode. We have all felt like this before when engaging in team meetings, feeling like our time is not being maximized or that this could have just been an email. As a leader, how can we ensure this is not the reality for everyone in the room? Rather than just simply coming together into a shared space, we really need to ensure that whenever we are engaging as a team in meetings, that the time is being utilized to its utmost and that we are truly seeing impact as a result of our conversations. My name is Curtis Hewson, lead learner and co-founder of Jigsaw Learning. In this free on-demand webinar, I'm going to be sharing with you five planning considerations and then five facilitation considerations that you can put into place as a leader to take your team meetings to the next level. Access this webinar and in addition to these 10 considerations, numerous free resources will be shared that you can begin using immediately. I can't wait to have you join me to learn how we can ensure that team meetings are having their optimal impact. And now back to our conversation. Well, it's all about reflection. And, you know, as, as a basketball coach, um, I spent a lot of time watching film. And, and back then it really was film. It's not, not digital, digital, you know, it was real film. And, you know, riding on the bus, uh, we were, most of our games that we were on the bus for three hours each way. And so I watched a lot of game film, you know more, you know, getting ready for the game on the way there, watching film, what we just did, what do I need to, you know, focus on for practice, you know, just honestly, honestly, good teaching, to be honest with you. And um, as a principal, I needed that too. You know, with my athletes, we could sit and talk about a situation, but we could go to the film because the film doesn't lie. It tells us exactly what happened, mm -hmm. not the way I remember it or the way my athlete remembers it, but here's what actually happens. And it's always shot from a really high level, you know, which which is good. You know, you want that that balcony level perspective. And I just needed that as a school leader. I didn't have that. And for that matter, I needed the clarity of what it was that was even important to me to get out of that, you know, Superman syndrome. I had to figure out what really mattered to me and having my coach really helped me to gain that clarity. And ultimately to me, it was, it was six things that really, really mattered. If somebody said, you know, Darren, what are the things that you're really focused on as a school leader? Here it is. Th these are my six, right? But then 
it wasn't just enough to say this is what I'm this is what I'm clear on. I had to then be really intentional and I had to hold myself accountable to those things. And again, I needed I needed the video and nobody was doing that for me. Nobody's following me around, you know, shooting <laughs> video of me as a principal. So I was walking in our gymnasium and the gymnasium where I was a high school principal has an upper level. It has a balcony. And I'm standing on the balcony one day and just kind of looking around and in my mind's eye, I'm thinking about these six things and I'm just kind of checking in on myself. And I started in, in literally my own mind's eye positioning those six things down on the basketball court and just honestly had a conversation with myself. I, I was up there talking to myself and it was actually also the passageway that went from the main hallway to the pool. So students that were headed over to the pool for class, you know, would see me talking to myself. And I think they thought I was crazy and they were probably right. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, okay, number one, you know, building positive school culture and climate. How am I doing here? Am I, am I really leaning into this? Am I really doing this work, you know? Um, and all the way through the, the six things that I was focused on and, um, you know, including, you know, really caring for um, and letting our, our educators know we care about them, leaning into student voice, uh, leaning into a culture of, of coaching, uh, leaning into instructional leadership, and just ultimately being the champion of the organization. You know, how am I doing in those levels? My secretary found out about it. And I think probably one of the kids was one of her grandkids and went over and said, Grandma, I think I think Pep's losing it. <laughs> you better go talk to him. Um, but, you know, she came over and I explained to her, you know, this is this is what I'm doing. And one of the most powerful things that I discovered through my coach was empowering my secretary in so many ways. And mm -hmm. Marilyn, Marilyn was in so many ways just given the keys and, and away she went with so much. And she would she would remind me periodically, you know, I, I think you need to go over on the balcony and check in on yourself. I think you're kind of losing losing your focus here and there. Um, and then honestly, she would just start putting it on the calendar for me. You know, and be like, Marilyn, why does this say balcony on here? You need to get over on the balcony. I need I need you to refocus, Darren. Um, and so wow. just being able to take the time and this is critical. Lead yeah. Leaders have to do this. Mm. You got to take the time to take a step back, take a step up and take a breath. And the collaborative cultures that that those collaborative meetings that, that you guys are, are, are so deeply invested in and, and lead so very well, that's what that is. It's take a step back, take a step up, take a breath. Now, how are we doing? We need to check mm -hmm. in on ourselves. And maybe that's looking at student data. Maybe that's looking at our own individual performance. I tell leaders all the time, if you want to know how you're doing with your priorities, just audit your calendar. If your calendar is filled with a whole bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the things you put on the floor, uh, you know, from the balcony. Yeah. You're not aligned with your priorities and you're not focused on the work that needs to be done. So uh, that's... That's actually, I think, an extended version of that story. That's probably longer than how I told it in the book. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. it. It struck me of, okay, the statement is powerful. I get it as a statement, but then to actually understand the physicality of the real application yeah. was even more powerful. That's fantastic. I, I love that you had uh, a moment 
that you have a story of a moment of of clarity. And I yeah. I think one of the things that jumps out to me here is then, you know, clearly that has great impact on you as a leader and continued to impact you going forward. So how do you how do you create that same intentionality or teach leaders to go to that intentional intentionality and clarity that you found on the balcony? <laughs> um, well, it, it really does start with, you know, digging deep into what it is that we value. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to, to say that, uh, you guys talk about this in your book, um, all kids can learn. Okay. Do you really believe that? Yeah. Are you really yeah. living that? And how are you living it? I mean, I, I'm not just looking for, Hey, I got a cool statement. I mean, everybody puts lifelong learning in their, in their mission statement. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. How are you proving it? How are you proving it? Because if you can go on the balcony and say, hey, I believe all kids can learn and here's what I'm doing, that's a whole different thing, right? So for me, and, and I think this is, this to me is the, the key of coaching. Um, and, and honestly, if I could go back and be an athletic coach again, um, actually, or if, if I could just go back in time and tell myself, here's one tip that'll make you a better athletic coach, it would be, be curious, ask really good questions and not just one question ask multiple questions so when i'm asking somebody as a leader tell me what you really value and they say all students can learn i'm going to hit them with probably six or seven more questions to just continue to cause them to go deeper i don't have to go deeper they do because it's their belief set right it's their value and my job as the coach is just to keep digging, keep unearthing what it is that's really there that really drives them from there. Once, once we've got that clarity, then it's okay, let's start, let's start being really focused on how are you going to use your time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are you going to communicate this? It's one thing to say, this is what I believe, but now I'm going to go out and I'm going to ask your staff, oh, and I'm going to ask your kids, am I going to hear something similar? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, is there an alignment with what you believe and what you actually do? Um, and so I think just pushing people to really stay focused on the work that really matters. I, I like to go into a, a big thing around being a firefighter versus being a leader. Yeah. You know, um, so many leaders think the job is number one, like we've talked, you know, be Superman to everyone. Mm -hmm. And number two, it's wait around for the crisis. That, that's my job. Yeah. You know, when we leave the classroom, oh, I want to go serve my teachers. And man, and when I was in the classroom, that one administrator, he didn't take care of the kids the way I wanted him to. That's what I'll do. That's like, an I don't know, an 18th of the job. I mean, there's just such a tiny, tiny fraction that is student discipline. There's mm -hmm. so much more to that, right? And so I think helping administrators be really clear with how they communicate what they're really doing, what they're really all about, you know, through not just their words, but their actions, through um, the decisions that they make, ensuring that all of that comes back to whatever it is that they're clear about. Hey, this is this is where we are. And ideally, that clarity should align with 
the mission, the vision, the organization's mm -hmm. uh, mission and vision, not just necessarily the building, but also probably the school or the, well, the district rather. And sorry, but that does that clarity doesn't come unless we have the time to reflect. So I I love the your focus on that reflective practice, and and as a coach, you can encourage people to move into that, uh, giving giving them time and intentionality around being reflective, and uh, understanding that we learn so much by pausing long enough. <laughs> to be able to be reflective because otherwise we are just running from one thing to the next and in that reactive mode like you described. Well, and I think too, yeah. when you mentioned about empowerment and you use a specific example with uh, your secretary, I think as a leader, if you can model practice and then create structures that yeah. people can start asking the questions of each other through teams and that. I mean, especially when right. you're in a task question where too. I've got a staff of maybe 60 people, it can't be a single serve and return from yep. one person. We've got to build right. structures and teams to each of them to be able to talk around that. And I loved what you said, because I used to say it completely myself as a principal, too, is when you said some people see uh, from a leadership of. I'm here to serve the kids. That's that's my role. I'm here to serve the kids. But I was the same of, as you of, I, I'm a, a step back away from the kids in a lot of circumstances, not all, but in many. How do I serve the teachers to be able to be the ones to best serve the students? Do you want to talk about uh, how oh, you go yeah. about doing that? Because I, to me, that I think that's a real it's clear a de designation thing. as a school leader when you can make that delineation of, I'm going to support teams and the adults supporting the kids, not I'm the sole bearer of success for 1,100 students. Well, and then that step even further back from that district position too, that, you know, needing, of course, kids are still at the, at the focus. Oh, they the are core, the focus of, of what we do, but, but right. how do we pull away from, from that thinking and enabling people to do the work that they need to do well? Yeah, that's that's two very very great questions right there because I mean that that is true. I mean our work is to serve kids, but understanding that when you move from the classroom to an administrative role, your role has changed and you're going to serve kids best by serving the adults. Mm -hmm. And you're going to you know, you're still going to build relationships with kids or at least you should. Yeah. I mean the thing I miss the most, this is where the recovering high school principal piece comes from. The thing I miss the most is being in the hallways, yeah. building relationships with kids. Um, you know, I can't serve them well if I don't know them. Yeah, you know, of but I, but I still, you know, I mean, I, I remember a conversation once with a, a good friend of mine who's now a superintendent at the time he was moving to an assistant superintendent role. And, and he asked me, he's like, I just, he's like, Darren, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. And you know, I mean, I was a principal, now I'm the assistant principal. And and I just asked him, I'm like, who do you really serve? And he's like, well, I serve the kids. I'm like, come on. Like, we all serve the kids. Let's go a little bit deeper. Who do you really serve? Who did you serve when you were the principal? Mm. Oh, I serve my teachers. Okay. So in this role now, who do you serve? Yeah. I serve the principals. Yes, yeah. you do. And how do you do that best? Right? I mean... One of my all-time favorite quotes, uh, Rory Vaden said once, we are uniquely positioned to help the person we once were. 
And, you know, well, if, if you've moved, yeah, I just love that one. Yeah. If you've moved from teacher to principal, you used to be that teacher. That's who you're uniquely positioned to serve. You move from principal to superintendent or whatever, you know, think about the person that you once were and, you know, what did you need from your leader? And, you know, if, if we always are thinking that in my role, I'm straight at serving kids, you're ignoring a really important group of people that truly need your support and they need you to lead them. And if you don't see them, you can't lead them. So um, I just think that's a huge element that a little too often we forget. And it's not a purpose and it's certainly not done with with bad intent. I mean, saying I want to serve the kids is it's why you go into education, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But but you've got to understand positionally, how do you best serve your kids and then make sure that you're leaning into those people that you can truly make a difference with. Well, and really having the greatest impact for kids is focusing on the people that you can influence and support in the work going forward too. Well, and we would argue, and absolutely, I mean, the intent of this podcast is it's really hard to do that individually, one person at a time. And there's, of course, times where that has to happen, but how do you create systems of teams mm -hmm. and structures so that it's not one, so that as a leader, we're not supporting one staff member at a time, the same way we don't want a teacher supporting just one kid at a time at a time like that those are kind of recipes for burnout we we empower and we create systems and structures and yeah. and teams you know and, and sometimes i think those those systems don't have to be super complex no i, don't um, think so. I mean there are yeah. some that that do need to but just listening to you talk about that um just just made me think of just a, a simple one that and i share this with leaders all the time because we we struggle with with the time bandits Right. As, as school leaders, we just, man, everybody wants some of our time, you know, and, you know, for me, I mean, I walked down a hallway, you know, with and 110 teachers at my school, you know, when, when I left, I think it was like 1400 students, you know, um, I couldn't go anywhere without, hey, Darren, going to talk to you yeah. real quick. Hey, Darren, got a question. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Darren, you got two seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Well, a simple system there. And again, this was, you know, empowering Merrill and my secretary, but, you know, it went from. I would stop and stop and stop and stop and stop and stop and then be 15 minutes late for wherever I was supposed to be. It went to, absolutely, shoot Marilyn an email. She'll get you on my calendar. I'll come to you. Yeah. yeah. That's simple. You know, and then she knew, you know, hey, when somebody came in, you know, hey, uh, you know, I need 15 minutes with Darren. It's not a pressing issue. And mm -hmm. boof, she would schedule it. And, you know, she would schedule it with me going to their room because, Here's something leaders that's really important. Their time's more important than yours. I don't care what anybody tells you. Their time is more important. Yeah. Go to them on their prep. Don't make them walk to you. Go yeah. to them. Plus, then you're out, you're visible, you're, you're spending more time. But that system became, you know, it, it became so ingrained that, you know, just walking the hallways, it was just visiting with people on the way to something as opposed to, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this. They just knew, you know, I just need to reach out to Marilyn and she'll, she'll get me on the calendar. Well, and it's a, and, I mean, like it just, you said, it was powerful. 
super simple structure, but yeah. one that really puts some framework around, you know, what, what is going to be manageable for staff and for the leader, but it doesn't have to be complex. But, you know, sometimes we do think about uh, instilling those systems and the, the structures and processes for staff and in that leadership aspect, but Sometimes we have people who push back against those <laughs> and just thinking, no, never. <laughs> I thought it was just me. Yeah, this must be just an Alberta thing. Just, just Canadian. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That doesn't happen on this side of the border. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so Darren, just thinking about, you know, what, what advice would you, do you give to leaders who are facing those naysayers or who well, are, who are facing the, that. Uh, you know, we want to be able to put these structures in place, but there's some people who are so tied to the, but we've always done it this way. Well, and especially when we're trying to create team yeah. structures. Yeah. How, how yeah. would you respond to somebody who says, I'm I'm having difficulty getting buy-in? I just and, can't move And for forward. those listening, I did the air quotes around buy-in. <laughs> I'm glad you did, because buy-in, I'm not a fan of the term buy-in anyway. Because that's either. you're selling something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's not what it's all about. But I think I think so often we will get so wound up and caught up in the what that we're doing that we don't allow for the organic development of the purpose behind it. And I, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. Um, one of my former athletes is an assistant principal now. And she and I had a conversation about a year ago. She's at that time, she's a second year assistant principal now, but she was struggling with exactly what you just brought up. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking her, you know, tell me, tell me what it is that you're trying to put in place. And honestly, she was working to put in quality PLC uh, work and really have things driven off of, you know, the four, you know, PLC at work questions. I mean, she was doing the right work. And she told me, she's like, well, Pep, it's so clear. I look at the data. I know what they need. Why won't they do it? And I remember asking her, did you ask them for their input? <laughs> did, yeah. did you even get from them what it was that they were wanting? Um, not, that, not that she was doing the wrong work. She wasn't. But a lot of times the work of the leader is to help them discover the painfully obvious on their own. Yeah, when, when we come at them, we're we're going to have a, you know a handful on any staff i had 5 bottom line i had 5 and those 5 all 5 were very good teachers but the that's the way we've always done it came from them all the time mm -hmm. the oh yeah i did something like that we just yeah. called it this that came from them <laughs> um, it, all of the all of the the greatest hits came from my group of 5 and what I learned was actually at a training. I, I love this one so much. I was at a training, uh, the Kagan Cooperative Structures, and Spencer Kagan's wife, Lori, was actually the one who said this. She said, you know, 99% of the people that we will label as struggling, as obstinate, or as not on board, I just yeah. air quoted two folks, yeah. not on board, <laughs> they just simply want to be heard. And we've mm -hmm. got to give them the opportunity to be heard. But but at the same time, here's the caveat with allowing everyone to be heard. They must understand, and this is also a big part of a, a leader's work, 
being heard and getting your way are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But if we give everybody the opportunity to truly be heard, to help them uncover what we see in the data by letting them do the do the mining, not just us saying, hey, I went through the data, here's what it tells us, and then therefore that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way. Now, are you still going to have a few? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you are. Yep. And so lean into them, but don't spend all your time there. You know, really focus on the ones who are moving forward, recognize reward and reinforce their work because that will bring some along also. And honestly, my five, and I mean, I'm sure they, a few of them, if they listen to podcasts, have probably heard me say it. And they think they might even think that I'm talking about them because I am. Um, (laughs) I spent a lot of time going to them to get their input. Mm -hmm. I was very intentional Mm -hmm. with, you know, hey, John, tell me what you think about this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working on something. I'd love to get your feedback. And, you know, at least giving them the opportunity to be heard. Um, one of my five once, I'll never forget it, sitting in, sitting in a process, you know, to, to hire an assistant principal, looking at a big pile of applications, looked at me and said, Darren, I don't want to dig through every single one of these when you already probably know who the top five are. I trust you. Just tell me where you, we should go. When when we lean into them frequently, wanting, genuinely wanting their feedback, it builds trust whether we realize it or not. And I'll be honest with you, that moment when that person said that to me was like one of my like highlight moments of my career. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. You know, like, wow. Now, now, was she still obstinate? Oh, of course she was. But but to know that deep down in there, you know, there was that genuine trust that existed and that that was the payoff for continuing to go to her and continuing to go to the other four, you know, hey, you build that trust by having conversations, not by avoiding them, not by being confrontational with them. You've, you've got to genuinely lean into them and let them know that you're a little bit above that fray. Mm-hmm. When we think about um, this is actually going back around to where we started, <laughs> but that idea of that super Superman syndrome, we think that we need to be, you know, pressuring people into moving forward because this is the direction I'm going. I'm going. (laughs) And here's the steps we're taking because I'm leading it. Well, when you think, uh, of course, that being that isolated leader syndrome again, but so not about collaborating, about leading that culture of collaboration. And and Darren, what you just described around, you know, some of those naysayers that every environment has. And actually, I would argue you need that perspective. You do. Um, yeah. And we've often talked before. Oh, 100%. If everybody's on board, then determine somebody. We need someone that's There's going something to wrong. push back. <laughs> yeah. Something just to expose right. what might yeah. not be, just to expose some blind spots. Well, and we want, we want some of those uh competing thoughts or uh, other thoughts to be able to point you in the right direction too, right? It's not always about just being able to lay out those, you know, your next five steps is clear and concise, but we want to be able to have that pushback so that we really identify where are the issues, where are the possible uh, contentious 
points that will help us to move together in in greater success in the end. Well, and that's that's one of those those other big leadership fallacies too, right? That you know, if we if we don't surround ourselves with people who may have a different viewpoint, you know, we we may all be wandering in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, just just having yes people together. around you does <laughs> yeah, it does does not necessarily mean you're all going the right direction. It just might mean you're all agreeing on wandering in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> You've got to have those dissenting opinions, and but you have to build, you know, that that culture of trust and that culture of collaboration where you can have those those dissenting opinions and that it's okay. You know, when when I was stuck in you know Superman syndrome, my APs, I had one who who would push back and. I wasn't ready to hear that. Yeah, um, I mean, there was a point in time after he left the building uh, to go be a principal that I don't think we spoke for like two years. I and mean, now we're good friends. But and that wasn't his fault. That was my fault. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to listen to the dissenting opinions because I just I don't know. I couldn't see that at that point in time. I needed to I needed to get out of my own my own way and get out of my own funk so that uh, I could see that. And once you do that, you're absolutely right. Getting those, getting those other opinions and, and getting, you know, just even just simple questions like, yeah. have you thought about this? Yeah. Right. I mean, sometimes you, you'll do, you'll do something and everybody be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if somebody, just one person would have said, Hey, what about this? Might save you a lot of trouble. It's interesting that you, you mentioned that because to me, that's when I think you have a really high functioning collaborative culture. And I was reading, about it in the book uh, Creativity Inc. It was by one of the co-founders of Pixar. And he would talk about a structure that they put in place called brain trust. And essentially at every stage of a movie development for Pixar, the brain trust would come together and they would engage in sometimes really contentious conversations, but it was hard on the idea, not the person. And getting to that place of trust that someone's pushing back, but it's not a pushback to, on Curtis, to push back on this idea that we've that we've got and if we can do that really constructively we're going to end up in a better place uh all together yeah so. well i mean and it goes to you know it goes to what you guys talk about with with collaborative structures and honestly just with truly having those highly functioning instructional teams when you know when when the three of us are talking about our fourth grade students you know, and i'm talking about one of mine i have to be comfortable with you asking, have you tried this? Or what about this particular, mm -hmm. you know, strategy? Or, you know, what if we use this intervention? Or we, we all have to feel comfortable and have that trust where I don't have to be the smartest fourth grade teacher in the room. I'm part of a team and collectively we're smarter than any of us individually. Absolutely. Um, but a lot, a lot of people don't have that that emotional that emotional security or um the i guess maybe the comfort uh and the trust with those around them to to be willing to to let go of that a little bit so darren i think this is a perfect time to lead to a bit of a summative question that we like to pose out to each one of our guests that is what advice might you give to those looking to create a culture of collaboration? You've shared a lot here, but if you could summarize, what advice would you give to that person that really wants to create a high functioning 
culture, and you've talked a lot about culture, of collaboration in their building. We'll be right back to continue this episode. Are you looking to maximize the collaborative capacity of your school or district? Are you wanting to take your professional learning communities or response to intervention work to the next level? Have you started the work in collaborative response but are looking to reignite your plans? We want to have you join us at the 2024 Collaborative Response Retreat happening May 3rd and 4th in beautiful Lacombe, Alberta. Over the two days, we have an intentionally designed program of breakout sessions, panel discussions, and supported team planning time to ensure that you walk away with a plan for introducing or strengthening collaborative response in your organization for the upcoming year. With a concentrated us on team planning, networking, and individualized support, the Collaborative Response Retreat is an outstanding opportunity to grow your team's understanding and implementation of this powerful support framework. We are also planning some fun social times so you can relax and enjoy some activities as a team in our historic community of Lacombe in central Alberta. In addition, participants will gain access to an extensive repository of online resources to deepen their understanding and support ongoing implementation. Plan to join a growing network of educators dedicated to responding to the diverse needs of their learners. We've capped our attendance at 140 participants, so make sure to register early to secure your team spot. We're looking forward to seeing you in Lacombe in May. And now back to our conversation. Well, I think with anything, uh, with leadership, it all starts with clarity. You know, what is it you really want to see? What is it that you're hoping to be able to create? I, I think, you know, every leader, one of the biggest challenges and most important responsibilities that they carry is to create that compelling vision where everybody can see and feel and understand their individual role in getting to that compelling vision. Um, you'll never get to a big compelling vision without a culture that is focused on collaboration, that is focused on that we over me, if you will, that, you know, hey, we're all in this together. But I again, I think it starts with developing that clarity of what it is you really, really want what are the roles and responsibilities you see for everybody involved? And then how do you go about being intentional, communicating that with them and helping helping them to fulfill that role? And whether that's providing professional development, that's providing you know coaching, encouragement, support, guidance, maybe the occasional directive, whatever it might be, um, you know, Clarity and intentionality. I talk about it in, in everything because to me in leadership, without those two things, you're not going to accomplish anything. So that's the advice I would be, I would give is, is get clear and then get intentional about it. I'm smiling because we talk about clarity and intentionality all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> so Darren, uh, let our listeners know how's the best way to get a hold of you and to learn more about the road to awesome work that you're doing such a great job leading my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, so road to awesome.net is our website. Um, every page has a contact us link um, as all, it, all of the information you need to know about us from, 
the uh, the speaking, the leadership coaching, as well as our publishing. Um, you can email me through the website or just Darren at roadtoawesome.net. And then on social media, I'm Darren M. Peppered on every platform. So it's pretty easy to find me. All right. Awesome. And we'll make sure that that's included in the show notes. So thank you so much for sharing your insights, uh, thoughts, and perspectives of how do we go about really intentional leadership for that culture of collaboration? And how do we sometimes step up to the balcony in order to get that that clarity for us? Thank you so much, Darren. It was a pleasure meeting with you and and having that opportunity to talk and identify some common threads between us as we uh, coach leaders in their leadership work. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. This was a lot of fun. It's a great conversation. And that um, yeah, was great. Thanks. All right. That was a wonderful conversation with someone who's now coaching leaders yeah. and, and uh, has gone through that journey. And he talks about his road, road to, awesome. to awesome. The subtitle is <laughs> the journey of a leader. And what are some key takeaways for you from this? I'll start off the Superman syndrome. Yeah. We've lived that. We know exactly sure. what that looks like and feels like. And it's so great to hear him recognize that oh my goodness, this is what I was doing and I can't fix everybody's problem. We have to create ways that instead of fixing, I'm questioning mm -hmm. or I'm helping people leading to how can you help solve your own problem? And again, that's not a handoff. That's not yeah. to say I'm not there to help support you, but especially when it comes to the work of teams, you can't have a real team if somebody says, oh good, I'll do everything. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And when we when we think about that building the culture of collaboration, it's not going to happen if one person is doing everything on their own without intentionally creating that opportunity for for others to participate. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that really stands out out to me from our conversation with Darren is that idea of reflective practice. And you know, we learn about that when when you. Uh, get your first degree, your bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And and as you do your master's, you spend lots of time uh, journaling and uh, identifying, you know, really taking the space to reflect on what's working, what's not working. And I think when, you know, we do that in our uh, in our educational experience, our formal educational experience. Yep. But then when we think about what we do in practice, it's almost negligent. Like it's almost absent of what we do day to day. Mm -hmm. And so I love what Darren is saying that just to be able to take that pause to look at, you know, what, what are the things that are happening and we need to be able to reflect on, ask questions and continually come back to, you know, what, what is our intention in what we're trying to accomplish, but it does take time intentionality and clarity yeah, which is absolutely. another thing that we talk lots with Darren about well, you can't have a culture of collaboration if you haven't no. created real clarity on what is it that we're trying to accomplish yeah just we're working as a team that can't be the no. end result we're working as a team to accomplish something and being really clear and then intentional in that um 
how can we, and he used the word empower, mm -hmm. how can we empower one another to be able to intentionally well, meet those those targets this, or those priorities that we're trying to set. this goes back to what we see over and over again is that we create time for people to come together in a mm -hmm. team but that's it and sometimes don't you know create that purpose or create the intention of what we're going to do and how we're going to function together and and that intentionality and clarity of purpose is so incredibly important. The other thing that really I really appreciated was uh, Darren talking about that fact that you know we we identify people in our environments all the time that struggle with steps moving forward mm -hmm. for whatever reason is, but that you know with the understanding that. Like he said, 99% of the time, those people just want a space to be heard. Of course. And so yeah. when you know that, then it becomes a part of your practice as a leader to ensure that they have that space. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years from now, I'm not going to remember the specifics of this conversation, all the things that we touched upon. But what I am going to remember, the thing that is going to stick is that idea of position yourself to serve the person you once were. Man, yeah. that's a powerful, that's a powerful, powerful statement. Image. And as you move from different roles, different positions, it's mm. you're preparing yourself to serve your past self with what they need. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one I loved. And again, that's that whole building a culture of collaboration is about systems, structures, and then supporting mm -hmm. those systems and structures. So again, thanks so much, Darren. And for uh, people who are listening uh, and watching, <laughs> access his Road to Awesome, The Journey of a Leader. So thanks, Darren. We really we'll appreciate sure. your time. Yeah, and we'll make sure we put all of that information in the show notes. So once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Building a Culture of Collaboration. Please reach out if there's any questions that you have. There'll also be a link in the show notes for a discount coupon for our own text, collaborative response. And we really, really would appreciate if you share this episode with a friend, someone else that you think would value uh, hearing from it. And we hope to be able to engage in our next episode of building a culture collaboration to continue with our learning. So we wish you all the best. See you soon. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again as we continue to share tips, ideas, and strategies to help you continue to refine your culture of collaboration.